What it do, baby? We're back for another episode of the Oddly Observant Podcast. And today I'm bringing on our sports expert, Stassi Harris, to talk about the NBA since the NBA season's about to start. And we're going to be giving all our lowdown on the duos and our NBA championship predictions. What's up, Stas? How's it going? It's going pretty well, you know. Are you excited for the NBA season? We're only a couple days away. I'm beyond excited. <laughs> so there's been a lot of hype in the offseason about all the dynamic duos in the West, and some would say in the East, whether they're injured or not. I guess we could go ahead and get started by figuring out who is going to be the most exciting duo for everybody to watch on a nightly basis. I think the most exciting duo, I mean, from my perspective, is probably James Harden and Russ, just because Russ is so exciting and James Harden is our reigning scoring champion from last year. So I don't know. Can two players on the same team average 30 points a game? I guess we'll see. Yeah, something's going to have to give because although they played together in Oklahoma City all those years ago, they're both different players now. They both evolved, and both of them have won an MVP and really the past couple seasons. So one, is one of them going to be the guy to take the shot at the end of the game? And if so, who? Yeah, I wonder, is there going to be a I am the captain now moment <laughs> for them? I think Harden is probably the go-to uh, perimeter threat, though. I mean, Russell Westbrook, as crazy good as he is, I think I'd rather have the ball in Harden's hands at the very end just because his range and his ability to create. I mean, not to say that Westbrook can't create, but Harden can hit it from five feet behind the three-point line. Some would say like even 40 feet. Yeah, I don't know who's going to be the biggest creator. I guess we'll have to see because I think James Harden's uh, three-point percentage and actually overall field goal percentage will probably go up because you think with Russ driving to the rack so hard, He's going to have a lot more spot-up opportunities from the corner or the top of the key. Is Mike D'Antoni still the head coach? I don't know. I think it's probably James Harden and Russ's team, kind of. Oh, that's whatever they want goes, I'm sure. But I actually I, I don't want to get too hyped up on Houston because as good as they are, it always seems that they you know, piss it away at the end of the season every year. So I'll wait a sec to give my full predictions, but... Sneak peek, I don't think it's going to be Houston in the finals, but let me ask you a more pointed question. We just talked about Westbrook and Harden, so who is going to be the most effective duo? We said they're going to be the most exciting, but who, which duo is going to lead their team to an unbelievable run this season? Uh, I'd have to go with LeBron and AD, just because if they don't do it, I don't think there's another person on the team that's going to lead them. I mean, to the finals where they want to go. Plus, LeBron having a disappointing season last year, not making the playoffs, and Anthony Davis not having much success in the playoffs in his early career. I think both of them are really going to try to put it together. Do they have enough firepower, you think, to not only beat 
and first off, make the playoffs, which I think we all think they will. But do they have enough firepower to make it through the West? Because, yeah, they have LeBron and AD. But outside of that, you mind telling us who else they have and what they might do? I mean, they have, what, JaVel McGee. And really, that's what I'm saying. I don't think they have really much else standout talent. I mean, they have some good veterans, etc. But do they have that full team? I would argue that maybe someone like Portland or someone like Denver may have a fuller team. I definitely see your point there. Uh, having a complete team, because there's some more, more complete teams in the West. But if LeBron and AD are healthy, which you know is saying a lot, especially in the NBA, it's, I think it's their, their road to the finals. So let's move over to our favorite team, the Dallas Mavericks. Not only have we been Dallas fans since our first day here in Texas, first day being born, but for the first time in a couple of years, I think we're very excited about the prospects of the season. Even family members of mine have been saying, dang, every single Mavericks game is going to be exciting to watch. And you mind giving us a little sneak peek of why people are starting to feel this way in the city? Well, I think a lot of Dallas Maverick fans have been pretty content with having won a championship uh, nearly a decade ago. It's been a while, but at least that was with Dirk. But now moving forward, we finally have some hope, obviously, with the addition of Chris Stapps and Luka Doncic, exciting as ever. I, I don't need to see a good second season from him, though. I don't want to see any drop-off. Otherwise, a lot of Mavs fans are probably going to be angry. We think that Dallas is going to be good with those two players, but who else do they have bringing up the rest of their team? Because, I mean, we talked so much about the duos this year, but I keep thinking that the, the best holistic team will win. And I don't know if that's the Clippers, the Lakers, the Mavericks, but Denver keeps sneaking into that conversation for me because of their full-effect team. I think Luka is a player that makes other players better. So in particular, I think Tim Hardaway has a pretty good season this year. And Maxi Kleba, the big who can shoot from outside, I really like what he can do. He's a big shooter from outside, and he can get those boards. Also, Bogdanovich, for sure, big, another big dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Marjanovic. Boban. <laughs> Boban, that, that's his name. Yeah, he'll be good coming off the bench to secure the... Probably the five, because Chris Stapps will be at the four, more than likely. If they play together, yeah, because Chris Stapps might want to step out some more and not have to play the down-low defense. But he can definitely get five blocks a game easily. And another player is Dwight Powell. He improved his shooting last year a lot, and I'm really excited to see what he can do this year. So... The perimeter shooters, bigs, forwards, and guards are going to be big because Luka can hit you from any part of the floor and he can go to the hole and score himself. Who do you think is going to win the West? And does the West end up producing the winning finals team? And we're not going to give our final prediction yet, but you could pretty much agree that the West is pretty superior to the East, right? Yeah, like usual, the West is better. But... Who's going to win it? I'm going to be... You could call me a bandwagon, but I just think the Lakers are going to win it because I don't think LeBron faces... I think the Lakers will win it because LeBron is definitely going to get... Definitely going to want to get back to the finals, especially with AD, but 
being healthy, I always have to say that because at any moment, one of them could go down and that team could go really down the slippery slope and maybe not even make the playoffs again if one of the big two. Yeah, and I mean, injuries are a reality in sports, and that's why I keep hitting on this theme of a full team probably coming out this year, even though the big uh, sexy play has been these duos in the East and the West. And that's why I, if I was giving my pick, I really think this is the year for someone like Denver or someone like Portland. Yeah, I mean, Portland has a great duo too, but more of a holistic team to come out. And maybe even Golden State again, even though they're being kind of slept on this year. But final prediction would be Denver for the coming out of the West. And that's probably not what most experts would agree on. But every year for the past three years, I've seen gradual improvement individually out of all their players. But we've talked about the West for about eight minutes now. Let's... Move over to the East. Not as exciting. Uh, of course, everybody wants to see Kevin Durant playing. And we won't get to... G- I don't think he's going to play this year, right? Is what we've been told. He says, don't expect him to see him this year play. I don't think he should come back this year. And also, I don't think Clay Thompson should go come back this year. I think they should both take the whole year to get healthy. But in the East, yeah, KD definitely makes a difference on that Nets team. And th- him not being there makes it uh makes the east even more wide open do you think that someone like miami sneaks into the top three or four with the addition of jimmy butler do you think they're just too far away still and is there any other teams that you know possibly missed the playoffs or were low seeded last year like a detroit or something like that that could be a surprise this year or you think it's going to be top heavy again with milwaukee and those types of teams i don't think it'll be as top heavy as last year and you bringing up Miami, I think they do have the potential to overachieve. Now I say overachieve because they shouldn't be a top three team in the East. But Jimmy Butler and that team chemistry down there, even with their rookie Tyler Hero, who may be overhyped, we'll see. I think they have a chance to get a good seed coming playoff time. And I, I don't think Philly is going to be as good as they were last year, even though they have a very similar team. I think that that combination of Embiid and Simmons, even though they are getting a year older, I think they're going to underperform this year. And I think teams like Detroit are going to surprise slightly. Uh, I forget who who else they had this year, but they finished one game above 500 last year. And I only think they're going to get better along with teams. Like I mentioned, like Miami. And I think the addition of Kyrie and Brooklyn is going to be a huge help. But if I had to give a, a prediction, I would, I would still say Milwaukee's probably coming out of that. Giannis is, could arguably have another MVP year. And if he can even hit a jump shot, they're going to go a leg farther than they did last year, I believe. Speaking of jump shot, Ben Simmons can shoot? Allegedly. Yeah, I he, think, hit that, he hit that one shot and the preseason and Twitter went crazy. Yeah, as things tend to, he went viral for one shot. Now, he's going to have to do that every game for 82 games. And I don't know if that's going to be possible for him i think that brings up a good point what we were talking about before the podcast is we both felt like that the preseason has been put on a a metaphorical pedestal this season for some reason and what you were mentioning earlier was that it could be some of the social media and bleacher report being more uh, prone to engagement nowadays or is it just that we really haven't seen a shuffle like this in the nba in a while since maybe lebron's departure from cleveland that people are just really excited to see all these duos in action and 
Some would even argue that the league is more balanced this year than ever before. Yeah, I don't know what it is with everybody reading into the preseason so much now. I know after the Lakers won their first preseason game, they said, let this be a warning or something like that. And I was just thinking, okay, it's just the preseason, guys. How about we wait till the regular season where you actually have to play 82 games, even if you can even make it 82 games, especially with load management being a thing these days. Can you guess what this preseason reminds me of? Probably not. Let me elaborate. It reminds me a lot of the Dallas Cowboys' first three games of the season. Everybody's getting hyped up about the preseason. People think all these duos are going to be the bee's knees. But I think much like we've seen in the Cowboys' last three games when things come back to reality, it goes back to the whole team, the coach, and really the flow and the bandwidth between the players. So that's why I'm sticking with my Milwaukee and my uh, Denver picks to come out of the East and the West, barring any injuries. And that's not a sexy pick in any uh, form or fashion. But I'm going to stick with that for now. My NFL picks are still holding strong, so hopefully that carries over to them in my NBA predictions. But I want to go in and touch a little bit on who we think is going to have a standout year. I think we do see Ben Simmons have a outstanding year, maybe even make it into the MVP race. Okay, well, that's a, that was my next question is, given that uh, Giannis Adetokounmpo won the MVP last year, who do you think is going to win the MVP this year? And has there ever been a co-MVP? Has there ever been a split MVP decision ever in NBA history, to your knowledge? Uh, I'm not sure off the top of my head, but that sounds like something that may have happened and something that could happen this year if it comes down to the votes, which the people who vote, I don't know how they get into it, but I would like to have a vote, and my vote would probably be, I'm going to say Ben Simmons as a dark horse. Oh, okay. See, I, I'm gonna have to strongly disagree with that. And if we were, you know, in a top tier studio right now, I would be yelling at you like Skip Bayless yells at Stephen A. Smith or Shannon Sharp, because I think Ben Simmons takes that step back, like I was mentioning earlier. I don't know if he is gonna. I, I think he follows more of an Andrew Wiggins path these next couple of years. As talented as he is, he may take a, a few steps back. And if he doesn't develop a jump shot, he really can't be good in this NBA for a long period of time. That's just disrespectful. Please don't compare my boy Ben to Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins has been on a slippery slope down from KU, coming out as the next big thing. The next LeBron, some were calling it. I was like, give me a break. And it's coming to fruition now. Now, I'm not going to say Ben Simmons is going to come out looking like Steph Curry, pulling up from 30 feet or anything. But I think as the season progresses, at least his mid-range or his spot-up three will look a lot better, but they don't have Jimmy Butler anymore, so they would say that he's going to have the ball in his hands more, and Tobias Harris might have a bigger role, and he's good from he's good at spotting up. I think that LeBron is, I mean, as we talk about how great he is and how he just transcends in the league year after year, are people just counting him out of the MVP race? No, I think a lot of people are wanting him to get that MVP type season but the thing about the duos now is it's gonna be hard to be an MVP when you might have an MVP on your team like we saw in Houston Russ and James they're both former MVPs in LA you already have a multi-time MVP in LeBron and AD who might just take that next step and surpass him not 
in overall skill, but just because LeBron will be setting him up down low off the pick and roll or what have you. But going back to my dark horse pick, Ben Simmons, he might not even be the best player on his team. Joel Embiid. Now, that is someone who I'll say has to stay healthy this season. I think all of Philadelphia is going to be looking at his back. I mean, it's always acting up in the worst times, it seems. Yeah, I have a couple tangents I want to go on, too, from this. One of them is the New York Knicks. I think we both know as basketball history junkies that the NBA is a better league, arguably, and this could be debated, when the Knicks are good. And having just been to New York and gone to Madison Square Garden, it would be great to see that the life get back into that stadium and get back into the Knicks franchise. I guess some of that's moved across the Brooklyn Bridge into Brooklyn, but Manhattan needs a team to step up. And year after year, the Knicks and their—it's—I would argue that their front office has been the biggest issue. But do the Knicks have any chance this year to take a, a step up, or are they tanking as before the season even starts? I'd have to go with their tanking before the season even starts. I mean, it seems like they were tanking with their free agent signings. I mean, we Twitter was all laughing about how they were going to sign two max free agents and ended up getting, like, what, four power forwards? Yeah, they, I mean, their best acquisition was, as much as I love this kid, Julius Randle was arguably their best accus- acquisition, and... He's not that great. He's not worth, what, the $23.5 million they're paying him per year? And that's their big puzzle piece to fix this offense, or Markeith Morris? Like, what is their front office thinking? I, I feel like we could run a team better than them. I feel like a lot of people could be running the team better than the Knicks, especially James Dolan, who gets a lot of criticism, which a lot of it is warranted. Now, you brought up their counterparts in New York, Brooklyn Nets. Now, I think... I think the Knicks better, I don't think it's going to happen this season, but soon they better to get some traction going or they might start losing fans. I know, I mean, especially the young fans. I mean, 18-year-olds right now, they're born in the 2000s. They, they haven't even seen a good Knicks team. I mean, they saw Carmelo, but that was a, that was a blink of the eye. Yeah, Carmelo think. and Omari for one year, right? That's all they, their, uh, their moment in the light, right? That was about it in the past 10 years. Yeah, just a flash. I think... I think the Brooklyn Nets are on the verge of possibly taking over New York, which I know Kyrie and KD kind of been wanting to. Oh, and, and that's a good reason, too, because basketball players are realizing the power they have in this league. And with Kyrie and KD going to Brooklyn, they realize, that like, yo, we don't want to go to New York. The Knicks, who have been uh, have a history of a bad front office and screwing over their players, why, not we, why don't we just go to Brooklyn and build it up? It's already been on the up and up lately and they have great owners in there joseph side just became another owner in the brooklyn Nets, so they have money they have influence and more importantly they have young and engaging fans and that goes from on the court to off the court as well where the players that are going to brooklyn are still getting the best effects of new york without the stigma in the front office of the knicks i think you could just say the brooklyn nets are cool right now i mean if you had to say which New York team is cool, it's not the Knicks. You just think about the history, and that's it almost. Yeah, if you had to go, if we were going to New York and say we we're going to visit your dad or something, and we had tickets to both games, the Knicks playing against the Mavericks, or the Knicks playing against, or sorry, or the Mavericks playing against the Nets, both one in Brooklyn and one in Manhattan, back to back nights, and we could only go to one, I think I know what you would choose nine times out of ten. 
yeah, I'd like to see the Nets play, but obviously I'd like the Mavs play the Knicks because hopefully that's a dub. But <laughs> definitely much more excitement watching the Nets, even without KD this year. Or, I mean, he could come back in the playoffs. I don't know. We'll have to see about that. That leads me slightly into my next point that I was going to make about the Mavericks is, do you think Mark Cuban has figured out a formula of getting these Eastern European players and just European players in general over to the Mavericks? Because as a family member of mine had mentioned, the Mavericks are the most watched team internationally, a title once held by the Houston Rockets, mainly due to Yao Ming. But now the Mavericks are being watched by everybody in Europe, allegedly China, and parts of the UK or the UK and Australia as well. Yeah, especially uh, foreign countries watching the NBA. They're gonna love. They love the Mavericks already, and now with another Eastern European Latvian, Kristaps, it's gonna be more intriguing for the rest of Europe to watch the NBA and not just have to rely on uh, like China to or watch. Or the Spurs. Just watch the Spurs with the only international players. Oh yes, Manu. And I mean, they Tony have a plethora. At a lot of Australians, Patty Mills. Where do you put the Mavs this year in the West, given that there is so many dynamic duos? Not only do you, where do you rank Chris Stapps and Luca as a duo, but where do you think the Mavs will land seating-wise? Not just like a range, an actual position one through eight. If they make the playoffs. Well, being the optimist that I am and the slightly biased Mavs fan, I would put them in at the eight spot. I think they're going to put on a run at the end of the season and just find themselves in the eight. And they're going to be a pretty darn tough matchup for whoever's number one. We were talking about it, I think, yesterday. Really, and maybe it's different in the East, but in the West... It almost doesn't matter what seed you get as long as you get into the playoffs. Because, yeah, maybe there's a slight home court advantage at some of the places. But every team, I guarantee you, is going to be at 50 wins or more in the top eight. Maybe the eight seed is like 48 or 49. But really just getting in offers you a realistic shot to get to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, it's going to be wide open. I mean, I predict a lot of upsets in this year's playoffs. Maybe even a 1-8 and eight upset or a 2-7 two two or seven upset. Uh, just like Golden State over the Mavericks the year we were really good. I think 2010 or 2012. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, uh, 2007, the year oh, yeah. after we lost to the Heat the first time. Yeah, I remember. We were 67-15. and 15. Every Dallas fan said, we're going back to the finals. And what do we do? We lay an egg and lose in the first round. All right, so I wanted to do something. We call it a quick round here. I'm going to go through teams in the West, and I'm going to go through teams in the East. And I'll hold up my finger so we don't lose count of how many teams are actually getting in the playoffs. But let's pick eight. Let's let's see who's going to make the playoffs real quick so we can be on record when we look back at this at the All-Star break because I don't know about you. I'd love to do another podcast once we hit the All-Star break and have a, you know with more knowledge be able to predict the next half of the season and updated NBA Finals predictions. But... Let's start off. We'll go from top from top to bottom from last year. Okay, so Golden State, you think they're in the playoffs, right? They're a playoff team, yes. Uh, Denver, still going to make the playoffs, right? They have, who do they have? Give us a brief overview of Denver. They got Jamal Murray at point, and they got a nice shooting guard at uh, Gary Harris from Michigan State. Mm, and, obviously, and obviously, Nikola Jokic, who is another MVP candidate. Uh, those are their big three. So they're in, right? They're in. So that's two. Portland with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Uh, C.J. McCollum with the Lehigh, a small school on the East Coast. 
Uh, I remember I once got recruited by them, so I always have a, a spot in my heart for C.J. McCollum. And I, I think Portland's going to be good this year, man. I, for me, they're in the playoffs. What about you? Yeah, they're in the playoffs, and I'm interested to see how Hassan Whiteside plays the whole season. I think he'll play with more energy than he did in his last year in Miami. I think it's he, he's in Portland now? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I, I actually didn't even know that. So I learned something on this podcast today. And given that knowledge, I may even throw them in there with Denver with being my quote-unquote team, team team rather than just a duo. But, yeah, they have a good, complete team, I'd say. Yeah. Now, again, with the team we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast is Houston with two MVP, not MVP caliber, true MVPs. They both won the award at different points in their career. So what is Houston going to do? They're in the playoffs. You, you got to think, right? Yeah, they're in. Okay, and then always a sleeper team that we see, and you know, this is a, the fifth seed from last year, is the Utah Jazz. They have... What's his, the tall dude's in 7'3"? Rudy Gobert. Rudy, yeah, Rudy Gobert. They have uh, Donovan Mitchell, of course, Mr. Spider-Man. So you got to think they're in the playoffs, Ryan. I know it's gonna, they don't have a, like a quote-unquote duo, but they're one of those teams that are a great team. And they are gonna, they're a good defensive team, and defense wins championships, some would say. I, and I have this weird feeling that they have arguably probably the best home court advantage especially in the west one people don't like going in the middle of the nowhere in salt lake city and two those fans are just fanatic they have nothing else to get around other than the jazz pretty much yeah that's true <laughs> so oh I, I think this is going to be a disappointment this year is oklahoma city they're lost <laughs> their best two duo or their duo from last year with westbrook and pg so they got to be out right there's no way they make it yeah, I think the biggest story for them along the season is going to be what they're going to do with Chris Paul. Oh, yeah, I forgot that he's there. And not only is he there, he's making a good amount of money still there, right? Yeah, he's making some bank, all right. Well, it's, it's going to get interesting now. So now we're down to the San Antonio Spurs that finished seven last year. They still have Popovich there coaching. They have Patty Mills. And honestly, I can't really name any other people off the top of my head from that team. So... Given all the duos in the West, are they going to make it? How many are we at? We're at five right now. I think the Spurs have a disappointing season. I don't think they make it. I think they're on the outside looking in at probably like nine seed. Okay, and the eighth seed from last year was the Los Angeles Clippers. And I think without a doubt, we can both say they're going to make it. They have probably, well, arguably... The best two duos are both in L.A. with LeBron and A.D. and now Kawhi and P.G. if they're both healthy. So I think they're in. Yeah, they're in. But funny enough, P.G. is already starting the season not healthy <laughs> and he won't play for the first 10 games, I believe. And that's like 12.5% of the season. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a big chunk. Okay, so actually, I think another team that's coming up now is Sacramento. They're on the come up. If you wanted to draw a trend line for them, they got Buddy Heald, uh, Marvin Bagley. Who, who else? They have one other player I forgot. De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, De'Aaron Fox, ex-Kentucky player, right? Correct. Wildcat. Yeah. We're at one, two, three, four, five, six. So does Sacramento make it? Because that only leaves room for one more between Dallas and L.A. No. All right, so Sacramento's out. L.A., we both agree is going to make it. Minnesota, we don't think is going to make it, right? Oh, no. Memphis, we think, is out. There's no way. 
They might be another surprising team, but I don't think they're in. And New Orleans, although their front office has done a good job in getting draft picks and making some good trades, I, we both think they're at least a year or two away, right? And I think that's going to be a team plagued with injuries. They got injury-prone players. I mean, Zion's already hurt and, you know, Lonzo and his ever-so-fragile ankles. Yeah, and we both think that Dallas, although finishing 14 last year and not actually getting their first-round draft pick, which was actually given to Atlanta because we got— Atlanta's picked the year before, and we're able to move up and get Luka. I think they're in, and I think I agree with you. They're probably going to... I said the seventh seed earlier today, but the more I think about it, I do think they're just going to barely sneak in with about 49 wins. Yeah, I think they take the eighth seed and the last playoff spot from a pretty good team. And We're not going to mention Phoenix. Uh, the only player they have is... Uh, what's the dude from Kentucky? Devin Booker, yeah, Devin mis- Booker, Mr. 70 points in a game. Yeah, he thinks he's Kobe after that, and he's dem- starting to man all these things without having actually won, which some would say that's part of a generational thing, and people are giving him a lot of crap. But he's a great player, and I think eventually he's going to be smart and get out of there really quick. But that was our quick round for the West. So let's move over to the not-as-interesting East. And, I mean, we give the East so much crap, and they're always top-heavy, but let's get through this. Let's see. We got... Milwaukee in, right? Yes, as long as the Greek freaks, they're in. And they got Chris Middleton, too, a good second right there. Even though it's not a formal duo, he's still pretty damn good. Oh, yeah, they gave him the bag. Yeah. And this is an interesting one. Given that the East is pretty weak, do the Raptors make it? Having lost, honestly, probably one of their best players in their franchise history in Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I, I think they sneak in. I mean, and your t- your your guy over here, Ben Simmons, does he lead them to the playoffs for Philadelphia? <laughs> Obviously, yes. yes. You you would have to think, and then we I would think we would both agree on Boston getting in, right? There's not any disagreement there. Uh, Indiana, do you have any uh, second thoughts about them? They're always kind of a sleeper team, but they always end up having a a decent squad. And I don't think they don't do they still have Victor Oladipo? Yeah, I think. He'll be uh, he'll be coming off injury this year, but I think he'll still do a good job leading that team. And they have Miles Turner. Yeah, and we got the Brooklyn Nets that finished six. six yeah, six last year. So are they top four now? Because they're definitely in the playoffs. But where do they finish in the playoffs? Or sorry, in the regular season for the playoffs? I I think they'll probably be top four, but it it could be easily separate three through eight in the East by like four games and I think there's always that small chance and I wish I could put a bet down on this in Vegas that Kevin Durant comes back for the playoffs and totally changes that team and maybe maybe he's not as effective but if even he's out there as a decoy it could be very effective yeah uh as a fan I hope he comes back but I just don't want him to see I don't want to see him get injured again okay so for the east just to update you we're at one, two, we're at Milwaukee, Philly, Boston, Indiana, Brooklyn, and now we, so we have five, and now Orlando, what do you think about them? They have Mo Bamba, who's an XUT grad, they also have, uh, who else do they have? Evan Fourier, I guess that's, but nobody really notable, so do they make it? Yeah, they're in. All right, so at six, and now we're at Detroit. I wish we had a graphic because we'd throw this up as six and then we'd be moving on to seven. But right. I'll just call it out for the time being. Is Do you think Detroit's going to win? 
Or sorry, do you think Detroit will make the playoffs? No. I think they have a disappointing season. I think Blake Griffin has a frustrating season. Where did Tobias Harris go? Is he still on Detroit? <laughs> no, he's uh, Sixers. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. So the Sixers are more than just a dynamic duo. They probably have and they still have J.J. Redick and whatnot. So maybe they do shape. But maybe you're right about your, your uh, inclination that they're going to be coming out of the East or at least doing very well this year. J.J.'s in uh, New Orleans. But... Oh, yeah, catch me up. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, it, you could call it a big three. I like to call it the big two and a half, I guess, with Tobias Harris being the half. No disrespect, though. He's a good player. He's a good player. He, he does have some injury history, so we'll see how that shakes out. But let's go. I don't think Charlotte's going to make it. I don't know about you. No, no chance. So Miami, they're in. Jimmy yep. Butler was the big addition for them, and he opened up the first day of practice by showing up at 3 a.m., five hours before that anyone was supposed to be there. So as a coach, that's what I like to see, regardless of what actually happens. At least he's instilling good things in the players. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy Buckets, <laughs> baby. What about the Wizards now, where Bradley Beal just got a new contract? If you want to elaborate on that and then let us know if they're in or not. Yeah, two years, $72 million. And now his uh, his contract aligns with John Wall, who will be in street clothes for this year, I think, most of the year at least. And they might be the second laughing stop of the East after the Knicks. Dang. So we have we still have did you say they were in or out? Who? The Wizards. They are very far out. Okay, out. So we still have one more spot left. So just just to wrap it up is we got Atlanta, Chicago, and Cleveland left. Which one of those three teams makes a step up and gets the eighth seed? Atlanta with baby Steph, Trey Young. Oh, yeah. He, he leads them to the playoffs. Honestly, if Luka wasn't so damn good last year, Trey Young would have ran away with the rookie of the year. It just so happened that our man Luka was just the 6A freak from Lat- Latvia, right? Nah, uh, huh, sorry. What? He's Slovenian. Slovenia, that's right. Chris Epps is from Latvia, right? Right. Uh so, I mean, that pretty much wraps up the teams that we think are going to make the playoffs, and we'll come back at the All-Star break and see what this looks like. But before we get out of here, I want to wrap this up in a grand fashion. I'm sure that you listened to the previous podcast and you heard in the news about you know the China and the NBA, and the NBA, of course, wanting to go to China to have more revenue, currently they have 10% of the revenue. So what is your take on the whole issue with – China and then some of the players like James Harden and LeBron not only not putting down China but almost feeling like they were backing them up and like choosing them over America. Yeah, it's hard not to get political when considering the entire issue is about politics. I think James Harden had to say something just cuz he was he's on the Houston Rockets where Daryl Morey was the one who you know started this whole thing but do you think that the players, like even though LeBron came out and said Daryl Morey is not informed, do you think the players just really aren't informed enough on a geopolitical scale to understand the difference between a communist regime and a free country or allegedly free country like America? Or do you think there's something under it, like the first case would be money? And what do we do about this? Do we just allow, I mean, it is America, so you have to allow these superstars to have an opinion, but it's very disheartening when you see you know, two of the top money getters in the NBA bowing to the communist regime of China 
who literally jails Muslims in their in their country in the northwestern pro- province of Xinjiang, and no one knows what they do with them. Their satellite pictures that they had them walk blindfolded into cages. We don't know what happened. So, is or LeBron and James Harden really standing behind that, or do you think they're just misinformed slightly? Uh, well, to be informed, I guess all they could really do is just read the news and what's on our all-accessible internet, way more accessible than China. But, I mean, there's so many things that go on over there that we don't know about. And who I don't know what the NBA is telling them to say or anything because the NBA as a whole is just wishing this never happened. But the that can of worms is already open. So I think the easiest thing for the players to do is just really not say anything about the topic, which I wouldn't always say, go for the easy route. But in this case, there's so many political uh, consequences from just saying anything like a four word tweet could set off World War Three, you know, something like that. Yeah. And I think the Chinese are very, very, very intelligent. They not only took the bait on Daryl Morey, but they knew this would cause havoc and whatnot. I don't I don't think they they everything they do has a purpose and it always comes back to the what's best for the Chinese Communist Party. So I think they just like wanted to throw another little uh, thing in there with all the unrest in Hong Kong and some of the trade war stuff going on between us and China. And it's fascinating to see the NBA's response. And it really is enlightening to see what, you know, some of the top people in the NBA think and the commissioner, et cetera. And more than anything, it's not that we're judging. It's just now I know where their, their heart and where the money lies. But I think on that note, the most disheartening thing for me was the fact that, you know, my reading all this and the research, I found out that 10% of the uh, NBA's revenue comes from China. And, you know, you could say that's a small amount, but when you're dealing with billions of dollars a year, that's a lot of money. And it's a lot of people's jobs that are getting paid and they're going home to feed their family. So since we are both ex-business students in college, what does the NBA do on a business level to possibly move away some business from China so they're not so beholden to a, a situation like this when something like this does happen it doesn't come into a big controversy because maybe it's only 2% of the revenue. Uh, simply put, they're just going to have to look for other revenue streams, and which is interesting because we're Dallas fans. Uh, we have two European players, so we're going to get much of the viewership from Europe and Eastern Europe to be specific. So not to say that the China thing's not going to affect us as much, but we are getting revenue from Europe mostly, and Australia is a big one. They have big basketball league down there. And well, you always know the Italian league's big, Argentina's big, uh, Spain's big. I mean, a lot of these Western European countries are big too. So maybe the NBA just has to put some more effort in, you know, setting an infrastructure in these countries and a pipeline to the NBA. And it's always been talked about, but I, I'm still a big proponent of ha- possibly having a couple international teams that may be hard in the NBA, but I mean, they could set it up in a schedule where maybe there's a 10-game stretch where they're at home and then there's a 15-game stretch that they're on the road. It would be hard, but if you're doing it with like maybe teams from South America or something, or Canada, like more teams in Canada, maybe it's doable. Maybe it's not doable for Europe, but I think there's ways they could do it. Yeah, definitely thinking longer term, I think the NBA or you know basketball on a world scale is going to start to mimic more of how soccer is set up and having leagues in other countries and then having something of a champions league so because we are getting more and more foreign players coming over and they just join the draft as uh, europe uh, australia africa we've been setting up a lot of 
infrastructure in Africa. You talk about infrastructure, and especially we get a lot of the African players that come and play uh, like one or two years at Louisville or something like that, and then go to the NBA. I think maybe they just start setting up leagues in Europe or Africa and Australia and start competing on that kind of basis. Yeah, I agree. That's probably the best way. And if you're going to have like add-on teams internationally, that's probably the only way to do it. So where there's not like travel concerns or just time frames because there is so many games in a season. And yeah, the idea of a Champions League would be, I don't think any NBA uh, junkie would be upset with that to have, you know, once every two years, a huge get together of all the, maybe the champion from each league or each continent. That would be pretty dang cool. It'd be like a mini Olympics. Yeah, definitely. And it doesn't force uh, foreign players to have to come to America and play at the top level. They could stay their home country or, I mean, (laughs) home continent and live there, play there, and then just sometimes come to America or wherever the games would be played. Yeah, and then also on, you know, a business front too, is not only will it help the NBA, but it also helped those countries build their economy. And then it looks good that the NBA went in there and help build it up in a way but then they're making real jobs for real people in those countries or continents like africa or western or eastern europe or australia and that has real real world effects for not only those players and the economies of the country but families too so that would be really interesting yeah the jobs created and also going back to the new revenue streams especially um, not in china i think it's going to be important to get the rest of the world involved and that's one way set up leagues around the world yeah, honestly, I don't think I don't think you can stop because the Chinese love basketball. So I don't really think like the NBA is going to stop their uh, teams or whatnot in China, the developmental leagues or exhibition games. But it is just interesting that this happened. And it's just a reminder that when you're dealing with the communist regime, uh, whether you you know you believe the things they do are right or wrong, usually they're wrong in our opinion as Americans. But you know, they love basketball too. And that's the whole point of sports is kind of to transcend borders in a way. So I I have no clue what's going to happen with that, but I don't think they're going to abandon China altogether unless, you know, escalation geopolitically really picks up. Oh no, they're not going to abandon it, but China definitely made a power move. And I think uh, the U S or the NBA or something, they're going to have to do another kind of power move, maybe uh, not show they're that reliant on China and the Chinese market. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's a pretty good way to wrap this up. But one last thing before we get out of here is who is going to be that player that comes out of nowhere? You mentioned Ben Simmons for the MVP, but is there anybody that like came out of college recently or anybody that had a really good season last year as a rookie or sophomore that you think could stand out this year? Or you think it's just going to be top-heavy with the superstars yet again? Well... I mean, it might not be as a under-the-radar player because Trey Young has been on every news ESPN news cycle since he started making threes at OU. But he didn't make the All-Star team last year, so this year I think he makes his first All-Star game. And uh, with so by making the All-Star game, that's going to be a big, pretty big jump from not even winning Rookie of the Year last year. So I'd say Trey Young has a huge jump this year. Yeah, I think... I guess if I had to, it's not. It's even less of a sleeper than that. But Kyrie's been kind of thrown around the past year or two. I think he has a big comeback year, especially without KD. And I think it sparks not only the East, but I think it sparks Brooklyn. And I think it not only leads them to the top four seed, but I think it leads them arguably to the West or Eastern Conference Finals, where we'll see that battle with Milwaukee. But we'll see how it shakes out. 
we're, I, I know I'm excited for Wednesday and Thursday, the start of the NBA season, but what are you most excited about? And is there any last words? Uh, just last words is uh, enjoy this time of year, guys and everybody. Uh, we got football, we got baseball, and basketball is coming up. And before we know it, we got college basketball. So, And before you know it, sports will be over really quick and then it'll get boring again. Yeah, so just sports nirvana. Yeah. Sports nirvana time. All right, everybody. Stay oddly observant in this sports season. Uh, root on your favorite team. Leave us some feedback on Apple or Spotify in the reviews. Make sure you subscribe. And then also go to oddlyobservant.com where you can leave your official predictions if you so care to do so. But we're going to be getting back to you with another podcast soon about the NFL, since if you listen to our previous podcast about that, and probably about the halfway point of the season, we'll do an updated NBA predictions and talk about the first half of the NBA season. But until then, uh, we'll see you later. Peace out, y'all. All right. Y'all get excited for this year. It's going to be fun. <laughs>